Hey y'all, I'm Brooke Hoover, a Louisiana native, actor, writer, and comedian. I've lost 100 pounds through diet and exercise, or shall I say, lifestyle changes. My 20 year and counting health journey has taught me that just like taking a diet pill for weight loss, body positivity doesn't magically happen overnight. I'm working on regaining my self-esteem and rekindling my love affair with Cajun and Southern comfort food in a healthier way, all the while juggling eating as clean as I can, reestablishing myself in the entertainment industry, which, as we know, is historically fat-phobic, all the while showing my inner fat girl some love. That's fat with a PH. Pretty hot and tempting. Let me tell y'all a tale or two. When the yoga teacher told me, stand up, I've got to fix your yoga mat, it's driving me crazy, I told myself it was finally time to throw the towel in, even if it was complimentary and smelled like lemongrass essential oil. My diagonally placed yoga mat was messing up my sense of calm too, but I was trying to focus on my ujjayi breathing instead. Isn't that what a good yogi is supposed to do? This yoga teacher's commentary defeated the reason why I was pursuing a yoga practice over the past 20 years, to get out of my own perfectionistic ways, zen out, and hopefully tone up a little. Since middle school, I sought out yoga, much like a hopeless romantic seeks out a relationship with someone they want so badly but will never have, the married man, the workaholic, or the bad boy who won't change his ways or move out of his parents' basement. I wanted something from yoga that it promised in theory, toned arms, a matchy-matchy Lululemon wardrobe, and genuine love for wheatgrass juice. I began my journey as a yogi when I was in middle school. It was offered as an elective to gym class, and I wanted nothing more than to avoid running the track outdoors in the Louisiana humidity. An added bonus was getting to change in a private bathroom instead of the dreaded locker room. That alone was the jackpot for this chubby girl whose gym teacher loved coming in to just check and see how y'all girls were doing from time to time. Mm. I loved listening to the voice of the Spanish teacher turned yoga instructor and the hum of the central air conditioning as I lay back and reclined butterfly, simultaneously looking at the bulletin board so I could learn how to conjugate verbs in Spanish. However, I soon realized I did not like the competitive vibe that was created by my arch nemesis, this super athletic mean girl who spent several months making fun of the way I walked. She was shaped like a stick and could do a headstand as easily as a bendable straw and a daiquiri that you can get at those drive through daiquiri places. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you haven't spent much time in South Louisiana. My body, which was representing puberty and full effect, could barely do plow pose without farting, much less get me into a headstand. My teenage foray foray into the world of ohm was joke fodder among this arch nemesis for months. But I didn't want to give up. I didn't want to hate yoga. I just blamed myself, moved on, and signed up for tinkling as my new elective instead. Taninkling, taninkling, that's rhythmically jumping between two large sticks. Yes, that's a much better choice for a fat, flat-footed fat kid. I actively pursued yoga again at the YMCA when I moved to Park Slope, Brooklyn after college. I thought 
It'd be a great way to build a sense of community in a new neighborhood. I imagine making friends with the locals, sipping almond milk lattes after class in yoga pants, attending dinner parties, munching on crudite in the living rooms of brownstones that had been in the family for years, talking about family vacations to Lake George, or making jokes about how Ithaca really was gorgeous. <laughs> What I got instead were yogis who got grouchy when we had the Hatha yoga teacher substitute for the vinyasa yoga teacher perish the thought. Yogis who would push you down on the staircase, rushing to get to the showers first. And one yogi who stopped class to single me out to tell me that my ujjayi breathing was all wrong. The self-conscious middle schooler in me said, Let's get a swimming cap and head to the pool in the basement instead. I was still determined to find my zen and continue fighting the battle with yoga when I moved to Jersey City several years later. I joined this super bougie gym that I could only go to during the off-peak times because that was the only membership I could afford. They had multiple yoga classes a day and I thought to myself, this is it. If this doesn't make me stick to yoga, I don't know what else will. I belonged to that gym for a full year before I mustered up the courage from doing cardio machines and swimming laps alone to actually set foot into an open-level vinyasa class. I had already accepted the fact that I wasn't going to find a bestie while I was in extended side-angle pose. The yogis who rushed into class, some of their heads buried in their smartphones, others actively avoiding making eye contact, they didn't phase me. This was my time for inner peace, dagnabbit. Instead, I let the yoga teacher who got bothered by crooked mats defeat me and translate in my head into, Brooke, your crooked yoga mat means you're a failure. So I stopped going to that yoga class. Then I stopped going to other yoga classes taught by other yoga teachers. And then I eventually stopped going to the gym completely. And the most zen-like way, it was only when I stopped fighting so hard that I began to feel at home with yoga. Our beloved senior Pomeranian, Precious, passed away, and I crept into this horrible, horrible funk. It was the first big death of someone close to me in a long time. And I usually pride myself on being like a strike me down, but I get back up again type of person. Not this time. I replayed Precious, the Pomeranians, last morning over and over in my head, wondering if the vet and my mom and my decision to put her to sleep was really the right choice. Precious had been betrayed in her distant past by former owners, and I felt like I was doing the same thing, even though logically I knew we were doing what was best for her. And after I hugged her lifeless little body goodbye, I allowed this difficult decision to consume me. I had no zest for life. These negative feelings trickled out elsewhere, and I started to feel stuck in my acting career as well. I wanted to make a change, but I didn't know quite what it was. I didn't even know how to make the first step. The controlling person in me wanted to just snap my fingers and make it all 110% better again right then and there. 
And instead of taking the time to allow myself to grieve for Precious, aka Prash, I beat myself up for not being able to just flip the switch and go right back to my usual joie de vivre or forced joie de vivre. I was furious at myself for resorting to being a blubbering idiot most days when I could have chosen to focus on the wonderful years we gave a Pomeranian who came from an abusive home. I thought of her on the cold silver veterinarian table. Instead of the trips we took her on, including the popular South Jersey attraction Lucy the Elephant, Instead of thinking about the web series we created that starred Precious and our other senior rescue palm, Kibbles, Pageant Palm Mom, Pageant Palm Mom, it's available on YouTube, and the way that Precious would hop when it was time for a treat and we would call her Jimmy Hoppa. My funk-like state, it went from mind to my body, and soon I got a cold that lasted for a month in the summertime. Crazy. And as an actor, I'm accustomed to really listening to my body instead of always listening to my overcalculating mind. Get out of your head, get out of your head, get out of your head, Brooke. You know, that's what we say, that's what they say. So I gave in one day when my body screamed at me, I feel like garbage. I know you're sad and sick with your head cold, you poor baby, but you need to get up and move, girl. I guess that's my body's voice. <laughs> Sounds a little like a funny voice. But it was like an inner spark had crawled up my butt. Or maybe it was a certain Pomeranian. Not that I meant that a Pomeranian crawled up my butt, but I think y'all know what I mean. I was on a mission, but without any goal in particular other than listening and accepting. A mission to listen and accept. I could do that. I pulled out my purple lotus sticky mat, laid it on the living room floor, and pulled up the YouTube app on my iPad. I was joined by Kibbles as I typed yoga videos into the search bar, and yoga pulled up a plethora of videos and showed the top ranking ones from a similar source, Yoga with Adrian. Hmm. These videos aggregated by YouTube would soon become the best friend with whom I'd wanted to share matcha lattes, story of childhood vacations in the mountains, and my deepest, darkest secrets like stealing a couple of towels and several single-use toothbrushes from my former bougie gym. Uh, shh. After I completed my first yoga video, which was under 21 minutes, it was called Yoga Tone, I felt so accomplished. This was something new for me. I usually never applauded myself for baby steps in yoga or in life. I'm still a big, a big go big or go home type of person, but I'm realizing you usually can't go big without first making a tiny baby step, and then another baby step, and then a toddler step, and then a teenage step, which sometimes means taking a step backward, and that's okay, and so on and so forth. Unlike my former experiences with yoga, doing yoga at home with kibbles, sometimes sniffing on my mat or my face or my butt, and with Adrian's voice guiding me, I didn't feel judged or constrained by others or by my own negative mental playback. I also surprisingly did not berate myself for only doing a shorter time frame for classes of like 15 to 30 minutes instead of going and doing an hour-long class. I didn't say to myself, oh, you're not really doing yoga because you're doing it in the comfort of home and not at a studio. 
What surprised me most was that I stopped judging and criticizing myself without actively trying to do anything other than just pressing that iconic red play YouTube button. When it comes to an exercise regime, experts always, always say what works for you, you won't quit. Find what works for you, find what's fun for you, find what feels like a routine for you, and you'll keep it going. It will be added into your lifestyle. I had been doing it all wrong for the past 20-something years. I was trying to fit into this cookie-cutter idea of what I thought a yogi should be instead of doing yoga for its true purpose. In my past yoga attempts, I was no different from those smartphone-obsessed yogis or the Hatha yoga haters or the OCD yoga teacher who I all judged. But now yoga was becoming second nature to me, and it was the one time of day I didn't beat myself up. Adrienne's vibe and approach to yoga really helped me get on that mat daily, even though she was miles away in Austin, Texas, and she had no clue that she was my new bestie. Adrienne was and is so real. More so than any yoga teacher whose class I'd taken in person, other than my friend Amy. Shout out to Amy Fuljum, who does Vin, uh, um, who who does Yin Yoga. I was about to say Vin Yoga. Ah, oh, yoga jokes. Amy is wonderful. I will be sharing her information with y'all. Always check out the Instagram. Adrian was so relatable with her funny Wu Tang Clan references or jokes about her creaky old wood floor, and she would ask us to make a Texas tea with our arms when we were stretching out our torso. And unlike previous instructors, Adrian encouraged me and thousands of other viewers to find what feels good. That doesn't mean you have to bust into the perfect dancer pose. You find what feels good. Adrienne respected the practice of yoga, but didn't take herself too seriously, which was exactly what I needed in yoga and in life. I wasn't surrounded by the flop sweat of fellow class attendees who I labeled as pretentious yoga snobs. I was just around myself and kibbles when he decided to join me for a quick down dog with Precious's memorial, including her ashes and her portrait painted by one of my best girls, Arlie, staring right back at me saying, you can do it, Gil. And after a few weeks of this, not everything was namaste and lotus blossoms. Old habits of judgment and negativity crept back in. My right foot in its severely fallen flat arch made any right-legged posture incredibly tough and frustrating. I could barely hold a proper like lunge where you're on your right leg and then you're twisting, so a twisted lunge. I could not balance when it was my right leg, using my right leg for tree pose. And I told myself while I'm trying to balance in these difficult for me poses, that if I wasn't fat, if I had just sucked it up and done cross country instead of musical theater in high school, if I had been born to parents who had beautiful high arches, that I'd be better at all this. My controlling thoughts and negative playback came out in full force, but I wouldn't let them make me stop doing yoga yet again. I'd finally found something that was working, and I wasn't going to walk away from it on my flat feet. Adrian assured me, well, me and thousands of others on her YouTube channel, 
that it was totally cool if we weren't where we expected to where we expected ourselves to be while in a class or at a yoga studio or at a gym with actual people i would have judged myself and used my unhealthy competitive spirit to force my left leg into my crotch and stand on my right leg even if it sacrificed all of the pose's integrity while safe at home i stood there focusing on lifting through my right arch my left toes still on the ground just trying to say to myself it's okay it's okay you're you're not perfect there's no such thing as perfection especially in yoga instead i started focusing on the things i could do well and the progress i was making i could hold a plank for almost 2 minutes and that same plank led me to try crow pose where you basically are using all your upper body strength to balance on your arms like kind of like a geometric shape and while i could not successfully execute crow in its entirety or at all i did notice a strength in my upper body that said maybe one day this will be possible don't stop it is a practice you know what after almost a decade i still can't do crow pop properly and i stopped trying after i fell flat on my face and almost broke my nose and that's fine by me because it's not my most favorite yoga pose so i'll i'll just let it go that's what a yogi really does right but a yogi also notices baby steps like my tree even on the bad right flat foot has got a more grounded and i can elevate my left foot now above my knee I used to hate hate to do tree pose on the bad right flat foot and I mentally feel more grounded even when I wobble that is the real accomplishment that is the yoga we take into real life when you feel grounded despite the wobbling and this practice became like a healthy addiction because I wanted to show myself that not only could i do it once but i could show up for my yoga practice and myself almost every day even if i couldn't do it perfectly even after that little detour of negativity i stopped my negative playback of all my failed yoga attempts in the past right in its tracks i kept going and i focused on just being in the present moment and those same lessons began to translate into my everyday life I realized that my acting career instead of feeling stuck and focusing on all the things I had not yet done, the accomplishments I had not yet made, I patted myself on the back and I did so easily thanks to the newfound upper body limberness from yoga for what I'd accomplished thus far. I started celebrating Precious's life instead of focusing on her last moments and questioning if we failed her somehow. I felt that I was now emotionally ready to adopt another rescue dog and Kibbles was more than ready for a companion because my down dog wasn't the same as a real fluffy four-legged friend. So we adopted Annie, a circa at the time 7-year-old Pomeranian who had been used as a puppy producer, caged in a puppy mill her whole life. And thankfully, Positively Palms Rescue, now Peace Love and Palms, rescued her and through them she got her first taste of human kindness but when we adopted her she still had a long way to go on her road to rehabilitation confidence and trust life you funny guy isn't that a metaphor for my own journey for our own journeys 
Annie feels most comfortable sitting on the couch in the living room watching me say cuss words while I practice inverted twists and balances. My least favorite twist was and still is the side the the side lunge the the lunge on my right foot where I have to twist. It's also a great detox pose. So it's crucial I love to detox the demons. If I had avoided that pose, if I had given up I would have never seen Annie give me that infamous Pomeranian smile for the first time. She must have liked it when I was giving a frustrated look or maybe I farted a little bit and it made her laugh. It was as if she was saying to me, I'm scared, I'm scarred, but I'm happy right here where I am right now. That's her voice. And I thought, I am too, Annie. I am too, girl. Annie and I have developed a bond over her simply being with me while I do my yoga practice. And that was six years ago, y'all. I don't know if this bond is because the shapes that I make sometimes remind her of her furry friends, or if she knows it's because we're both on a journey, that the journey won't ever end. It will be constant, and I'm okay with that. Adrian, Yoga with Adrian, says that's why we call it a yoga practice. So y'all, we adopted Annie six years ago to the day that this podcast launches. Hence, this episode, it's an honor of Annie and all of our furry friends out there who teach us life lessons. And Annie and I, all of us, we're both still learning, improving, fighting fear, but we're moving forward and being easy on ourselves along the way, trying to. And during that time, during the past six years, Kibbles passed away as well. But when I do yoga inside the house now, I can face one way and see Kibbles' portrait and memorial, and yes, ashes, and the memorial wall of Precious's. And regardless, I feel like somehow they either have my back. Sometimes, right when I'm getting a little too like Meshugana, you know, our other rescue dog, Archer, he joins in with my down dog and he'll hump my leg and it gives everyone a good laugh, a much needed laugh. It's okay to laugh in yoga. So you hear people say all the time that yoga changed my life in so many aspects. Y'all, that's what I wanted from the get-go. I expected a life-changing, groundbreaking, mind-blowing gong sound every time I hit the mat. I wanted a new body, a Lululemon-clad squad, and perfect zen. But it wasn't until I let go of this idyllic yoga lifestyle that I actually started getting benefits from the practice. This acceptance of letting life just be that's what I was missing in all my other yoga attempts over the past two decades. And now I've added other yoga YouTube teachers to my repertoire, including but not limited to Yoga with Mariner, Yoga with Travis Elliott, and Boho Beautiful. And as my body is getting stronger, I want to challenge myself and I wanted to channel my energy to branch out to other yoga teachers, but I always, always, always come back to my beloved Yoga with Adrian videos and her dog, Benji. So I love that her dog also practices with her because Annie and Archer always practice with me. 
by giving up control of having to have this flawless, flexible body and a perfect yoga practice, by giving up this notion that I need to wear $200 designer yoga athletic wear, and I can instead wear my ratty shorts, t-shirt, and no bra, I can laugh when I fall, fart, and make a fool of myself and realize true zen. Being a true yogi is being thankful each day that I am lucky enough to practice in a home surrounded by love and a lot of dog hair. Thanks so much for listening, y'all. It is my hope to inspire, uplift, and entertain you with this Who's Dat Fat Girl podcast. So if you're hungry for more, you can book me to speak or perform my solo show that inspired this podcast. Fat Girl Costumes, written by yours truly and directed by Brian Lady at your virtual or in-person event. Please visit brookhoover.com slash fluffybuttproductions or email me at contactbrookhoover at gmail.com for more info. And let's follow each other on Instagram. I'm at brookhoover. And the O's in my name are not the letter O, they're zeros. Not because I want to be a size zero, but because I guess I'm just so clever with my late 90s Yahoo self. And if you like this podcast, which I really hope you do, please give me a five-star rating and write a review on Apple Podcasts. And most importantly, share this with your friends, family, and other people you may know who are as fat as we are. That's fat with a PH.